we're going to start a new series today in regards to divine healing. That we have been redeemed from sickness and disease and pain. The Bible says so much about that. I started thinking about that because I talk about healing all the time. And then I, start, I went back. The Lord had me go back and look at the archives. And you know, I haven't taught a series on healing on a Sunday morning since June of 2020. I didn't realize that. You know, I kind of live in a world where I sit here and I go, man, you know, me personally as a pastor, I've got about 48 Sundays a year. So I'm always like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? But he wants to get this in us. I believe in this series, some lights are going to go on. And I'm believing God to eradicate sickness and disease from our midst. Let this be the year that you walk free from it. What do I mean by that? Could you imagine yourself? No more sickness in your body. No more disease. Everything working correctly. No more medicine. Right? Off all medicines. Now, remember, not taking medicine does not, that doesn't mean you're in faith. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for doctors. Doctors work with God. Right? They, they help us. Because what do we have to do? we got to build ourselves up. So, Today, specifically, the title of this series would be Freedom from Sickness and Disease and Pain. But today, we're going to start out with talking about the legalities of healing. Because this is not an, a New Testament concept. This is an old and it's a Bible concept. So we're going to talk today and we're going to start out talking about how that physical healing, physical healing, is in the atonement. It's part of the redemptive plan of God. In other words, what does that mean? When Jesus died on a cross, he redeemed you, he atoned for your spiritual death, your sin. He was literally made sin. He was, or, he, or I could say it correctly, he was made to bear all of your sin so that you could be made his righteousness. I was spiritually dead. The man that I was was dead and separated from God. That man is gone. The minute I accepted Christ, I became a new creature in him, spiritually alive. But in the same way he atoned for my sin and my spiritual death, he also atoned for physical healing. There is physical healing in the atonement. So we're going to just... We're going to kind of go and lay a foundation in this. Is that okay? Amen. Look, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. So let's talk about some wonderful things. Spiritual death, sin, physical sickness and disease. Right? Let's just talk about it. Because you've got to get a foundation of this. And I want to encourage you that God is a healer. That his will for you is to be healed. He already paid for your healing. It's not a matter of God deciding to heal you today. He's already decided that when he sent his son. It's all paid for. It's yours. You own your healing. You're going to see as we talk about physical healing and the atonement that you and I have been judicially freed from sickness and disease. It's a legal thing. Satan has no right to attack your body, but he will. And God, you got to realize, God has already made provision. 
See, there's people, Christians, that are begging God to heal them. And, and God's already done that. He's already done everything that he needs to do. It's now just a matter of a person receiving their healing. So let's talk about this a little bit. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let's jump off here. Romans 5, 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world talking about Adam, when he sinned, right, when he ate that fruit of that tree that God told him not to eat, when he violated what God said, or in other words, when he violated God's word, which is life, now it says sin entered into the world. And then it says, and death entered in, why? By sin. So when sin entered, then death entered. And so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. So if you want to break down a, a, a definition of disease, disease, sickness, is the beginning stages of physical death. That's why you don't want to put up with any of it. Okay, it's the beginning stages. When parts of your body don't work right, Satan wants to kill you. Now, why are we teaching on this? Have you noticed, as we've seen an upturn in evil in our society and in this world, we have seen a major upturn in sickness and disease. I have never heard of so many people dying prematurely, so much cancer, so much sickness, so much disease. Why is that? Because the enemy, he knows he doesn't have much time. So this is what God wants for you and I. He wants you and I to walk free from it. Right? We've been through a pandemic, so to speak. But you know what? I've heard the term plandemic. But we miss what that word really means. We think, we think surfacy. Well, there's a group of people that plan this. Okay, well, everything comes through people. But, but who really planned this? Satan. There was no sickness, there was no disease on this planet until Adam sinned and then sin entered the world, and it opened the door for death to enter this world. And death is the beginning stages, or physical sickness and disease is the beginning stages of death. The remedy for physical sickness and disease must be found in redemption, which is the atonement. Okay? So look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Man, I'll tell you, I hope it comes on me today because all night long I was preaching. It was so good. I'm like, wow. I mean, I was pacing and there were things coming. I was powerful. And right now I'm sitting here going, gosh, I'm in such a teaching mode. So we'll see what happens. If I take off running and leave the building, just hang out, wait, I'll be, I'll be back, right? <laughs> 
This is a thrilling subject because if you've ever been bound with sickness or disease, it costs you financially, right? It puts family members in turmoil. It steals and robs Christians from being able to sow and being able to do what God has called them to do, but no more. The word of God brings light, amen? And we're believing God. We're believing God for a healing revival. You could sit there and take your healing. We're believing God for instant miracles. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, look at what it says. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. And then it says, and with power. In the Greek language, it would say he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, even with power. When you say the Holy Ghost and power, it's kind of funny because the Holy Ghost is power. So that's why in the Greek, it's he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and even with power. And look at what happened as a result. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Scripture right here is calling physical sickness and disease the oppression of the devil. We want none of that. The cool thing about this series is if you're sitting here healthy, praise God, because the goal is for you to walk in divine health and divine life. But also, if you're going through some other things, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to talk to you because in the same way that Jesus paid for sickness and disease, he paid He paid for your freedom in every area of your life, for restoration, right? God restores. He wants to restore your physical body, but he wants to restore your life, right? Hallelujah. Physical sickness and disease, in other words, has its origin with Satan. Now, they do research to try to find a cure for cancer and all of these things, and that's awesome, We should pray for our researchers, right, that they can find a cure. But like the the founder of the Mayo Clinic says, they could find a cure for all these diseases. There will always be more because every one of them has a spiritual root. It's spiritual death. Satan's behind all of it. He doesn't create. He only created one thing. He's, he's He's only the father of one thing lies but he doesn't create and if you look at physical sickness and disease what that is it's a perversion it's a twisting right if you if you have diabetes what we call diabetes and there's a blood sugar issue it's because there's there's things that are not working in your organs your body's not working properly so he comes in and he twists it in the same way that god created something beautiful in a marriage, we call that sex, the enemy will come in and twist it into lust and pervert it and destroy with it. That's what he does with all the physical sickness and disease as well. So he is the root. It's a satanic root. When you believe God for your healing, the word of God goes right to the root of it. That's how come, and it works healing out in your body. 
the last result that you're going to see that the word is working in you is the symptoms will leave your body. But the first result you can't see, you can't feel. But when you believe you receive your healing, the healing power of God goes right to the root of it and kills it. Kills the satanic root and then healing works out. It's the origin of it. It's the foundation of it. Disease, according to scripture, is part of what we call the curse. You see that in the Old Testament. We're going to see it very clearly. This is why the only remedy for it is the cross. There's only one remedy for sickness and disease because it's part of the curse of the law. If you read Deuteronomy 28 and you read through that where it talks about the curse, there is all of these scriptures about sickness and disease and plagues and viruses and sickness and disease handed down you know, from, your, from, from your lineage. You know, when you go to a doctor, they will ask you, Does your, do you have a family history of this? Because you could be predisposed for these things. Do you know you've been redeemed from all that? Right? You've been redeemed. So now, yes, your, your lineage, you are to have the physical disposition of your lineage. Guess who that is? It's the father. He's never had a sniffly nose. Never had a headache, right? No, no sickness and disease can dwell with him. So the only remedy is the cross. Disease is the physical penalty, or you could say it this way, the physical result of sin. Does that mean if you have sickness in your body that it's because of sin? Yes. Is it because of your sin? I don't know. Could be, but we know the spiritual root was because of Adam's sin, right? And you could be living right on, doing everything right, and still get attacked with sickness and disease, right? It's interesting, all the years and all the ministry that I did that was my own idea, man, bore fruit, never dealt with sickness and disease, until January of 2007. And now I have to always keep that at the forefront because Satan would love to kill me. It's unfortunate that there's not a lot of people that teach this. That's going to change because it's all over the book. This is not an opinion. You're going to see this. God wants everybody to know that he's a healer. Amen. Right? And oh, Satan would love to kill me with sickness and disease, but he can't and he won't. I'm not going to leave this planet one second early. Amen? I just want to, you know, I want to I feel what it's like to reverse skydive. That's where you start out on the planet and you get raptured, right? That's a, that's a new term I just made up. So Jesus, I have no desire to do the other skydive thing. I mean, why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Talk to my wife. She loves that stuff. I, I'm just like, yeah, right? Jesus is born in his body when he was on this earth, on that cross. He bore all our physical sicknesses and diseases that were a result of sin. All sickness and disease is a result of sin. It might just not be a result of your personal sin, 
but it, was all, it all came on man because of Adam. But Jesus bore it all. Every, every headache, every, anything and organs not working right, any, any sickness, any disease, it was all laid on him. He personally, the Bible says, he bore all of our sickness and disease and he carried all of our pain. That's why on the cross it freaked that Roman soldier out. He, had, he, he was in charge of crucifixion and the Romans were masters at it. And he had never seen anything like what happened to Jesus. They said to look at him, he didn't even look human. Well, why is that? It wasn't because of the beating only that he took physically. He was also beaten. God the Father literally picked up. He doesn't have it, so he picked it up. And he smote his son. Smote him with the weight and judgment and root and all sickness and all disease and all pain. It was paid for so you don't have to carry it. And that is for today, right now, right? You have to know this. As you meditate in these scriptures, you'll get upset. You'll be like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not carrying this stuff. And it's never too late, right? Stage four cancer is, is a pretty big enemy when it comes to you and I. But when it comes to God, stage four cancer is nothing, because stage four cancer's already been taken care of. And God can turn that healing power up and restore everything, every cell in a person's body. Hallelujah. Jesus has borne in his body all physical sickness, disease, and pain that were a result of sin. Because of this, your physical body as a child of God has been re judicially released from all sickness and disease and pain. There's been a judgment rendered, not by a judge at the courthouse down here, by the righteous judge of all creation. He looked at what Jesus did. He looked at the blood on that mercy seat, and it was paid for. You know, realize this. Your body, God gave you your body. It's your body which belongs to him. So when you're believing God for healing, realize, Father, I believe that I receive my healing in my body. This is what I say all the time, which belongs to you. We are his in every way, and he wants you free from it. Imagine what your life would be to not have to think about medicine anymore, to not have to go to doctor's appointments anymore, because you're free. You just go every year for a checkup, right? Think of what your life would be when everybody around you is getting viruses and being attacked by something, and you never are. I wonder if that would open some doors for you to talk about how Jesus is your healer. The world needs to know this. So in other words, in the same way that we may receive the first fruits of our spiritual salvation, we can receive the first fruits of our physical salvation. Okay? First fruits. 
the first fruit of our spiritual salvation. We're going to look at this. Well, let's just read it. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. It says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Man, I cannot wait to be able to play basketball with my glorified body. Right? I miss, I miss playing basketball. I, I wouldn't even want to get on a court right now because I'd hurt myself because I'm not in shape and I'm overweight. You know, and, and, and so I, I, I need to get in shape because I've got two little grandkids that I think are going to end up being taller than me that might like to play basketball. So, you know, I, I being the papa that I am, I just, you know, I want to dominate them so that they always know. So, but here's the thing. Yeah, I'll be preaching, I'll come and I'll have this Rawlings thing on my forehead. It's like, yeah, I was playing basketball with Asher, you know. He blocked a few of my shots, right? But you have the first fruits. So what happened is, is when you got born again, the first fruit, the Holy Spirit, is the earnest. He is the first fruit. It proves that you belong to God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Do you know the first fruits of your physical redemption. See, what is the ultimate? When, when the glory of God comes over your physical body, whether in the rapture of the church, if we're alive, we are, we're gonna be changed as we go up. As we go up in a twinkling of an eye, our, our, our physical body, the glory of God will come over it and it will be made into a glorified body. And that will be the full redemption of our physical body. God's gonna redeem your physical body. He takes it very seriously, your body. He takes it very seriously. It's like come it says you glorify God in your body and in your spirit because it belongs to God, right? Do you know people that died a 1,000 years ago? I, what's gonna happen? They're up in heaven right now. They're, they're spirit beings. They don't have a physical body. They look like they did when they were younger, right? But at the rapture of the church, the dead in Christ are gonna rise first. Could you imagine a guy's cremated and his ashes are thrown at sea? Somehow God is going to get all that DNA and bring it all back and change it into a glorified body. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says that in Romans 8.11, you know, put that up on the screen. I want you to see this. In Romans 8.11, look at this. It says, but the, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus' body from the dead. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. This word quicken means to heal, to restore to health, to make whole your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Jesus' body, if you think about it, it was destroyed in the crucifixion and then he was dead. So what kind of healing did he need? Listen, there was so much power that it not only healed and restored him to health, it went way beyond that and it produced a glorified body. So what he does to us now is that power's turned down, 
but keep that open. Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit in me right now, with the same power, just a lower degree, because, I mean, if he turned it up a little bit too much, boom, you just have a glorified body. Well, you, it's not time for that yet. Right? You ladies, think of your complexion. Have you ever seen somebody, like, with a perfect complexion? You're just going, that's just not fair. Right? Never get tired. You're in heaven, and you smack your toe on something. Guess what? You don't, you're like, oh, it's okay. Have you ever, have you ever hit, you, hit something and it just didn't hurt? That's the way it all, there's no pain. Think of that. But you need to have a degree of that now where the Holy Spirit will quicken you, drive out sickness and disease. Oh, you're gonna age. But why not age healthy and strong? Right? I know when Brother Hagen, when, when he went home to be with the Lord, Pastor Hagen went to the doctor afterwards and said, listen, I, I just want to know, did my dad have a heart attack? You know, I mean, he had an incurable heart disease or a blood disorder, deformed heart, all this stuff was miraculously healed at 16 years old. Now here he is in his 80s. And uh, I mean, he was having breakfast with his wife and basically they were just eating breakfast. He looked at her and smiled and he came back and he just kind of head went down and and the doctor told Pastor Hagen, he goes, no, his heart just stopped. He didn't have a heart attack. And Pastor Hagen, if you know him, he's like, okay, come on. Don't, I, I need to know. I just want to know. It doesn't, it doesn't rock me because Brother Hagen could die of sickness and disease. What does that matter? It doesn't change the word at all, right? He goes, he goes, Ken, no. Your dad's heart just stopped. He was just done. He was just done. So anyway... This is huge. Because our bodies are released judicially from physical sickness and disease, Satan should not be able to keep that on us. We have a way of getting that off of us. I love this. We have the first fruits and we groan, Romans 8, 23. We groan within ourselves. We're waiting for the adoption to wit or the redemption of our body. It's not natural for you to be sick, for you to be weak, for you to have pain. It's just not natural. In the same way, when you're 85 years old, you, you're like, okay, I, I feel like I'm 30, or I feel like I'm 25. It's because your spirit's eternal, right? You, you just, we, we're, you're going to live forever. Everybody lives forever. That's why, that's why the most important thing, it's just like real estate. It's, low, it's all about location, where you're going to live, right? Right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's keep going with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Wow. Isn't that good news? The old man that I was is gone, and now I have this new life in Christ, and, and the life of Jesus is to even manifest in my mortal flesh. What, pastor, are you saying 
that the ladies in the church can believe God to age well, that their skin and, yeah, why not? Yeah, Luke, my wife's preaching, <laughs> right? No, I'm going to age, but never call me old. I'll never be old, Amen. right? Ephesians chapter 1, we better keep going here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Look at this, verses 13 and 14, so powerful. It says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, so when the Holy Spirit came in you, look at verse 14 says, this is what this is, which is the earnest of our inheritance. This word earnest means the guarantee, the deposit, the down payment. Think about how great salvation, the down payment was, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit of God in you. And he's there to lead you, to guide you into Zoe life, He's there to quicken your mortal body. He's there to do, teach you how to profit, lead you in the way that you should go. And that's just the earnest. Like if you buy a house, you put earnest money down. Wow. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit and is a type of God's guarantee or a type of God's deposit to taking possession of us completely and forever. We are forever his. So stop beating yourself up for your behavior. Stop trying to be good enough to be accepted by God. You're already accepted. As you realize this, you'll walk free from all that junk. But you don't walk free from anything if you don't understand who he's made you and understand how good he is. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wow. I am his purchased possession. The Bible says that you and I are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. That word workmanship literally is the word poemo in the Greek. It means you are God's masterpiece. When he looks at you, he sees a masterpiece because he sees all that you are in him and all that you will ever be in him for all eternity. It's amazing. So the question is, is healing in the atonement? In other words, a way to, another way to say that is healing part of redemption. Did Jesus, in other words, die for our sicknesses as well as our sins? That's the question that we're answering in this series. Some say that healing has been provided for everyone. Others say that healing has been provided for some but not others. So who's right? Okay, we're going to answer that question with the word of God. You know, uh, if, you, if you're around here very long, you will notice I quote very, very few theologians. And if I ever quote a theologian, 
it's because they're either a Greek or Hebrew scholar and they say something in relation to the word of God, but never their opinion. If you want to know a theologian's opinion, just go read the first page of any theological book. And by about halfway through it, you'll be like, okay, I don't think this guy really knows. He's very educated, but I don't think he knows what he's talking about. So, types of atonement given in connection with bodily healing in the Old Testament. Let's look at the Old Testament. Let's look, let's look at some examples because every one of them point to Jesus on the cross. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, look at this. It says, and Moses spoke, or I'm sorry, and the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Now this is going to be talking about as they were delivered out of Egypt, they ate the Passover lamb. So this is the first time that we're really seeing like healing in the atonement. And you see Jesus all over it. It says, Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month, so God is talking to them, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household is too little for the lamb, let, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Are you kind of seeing anything that would pertain to maybe like Jesus? Right? The lamb of God. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Do you know when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, was the exact time that all the Passover lambs' throats were cut and they were all killed. He was the Lamb of God. They shall take the blood and they shall strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. In other words... The blood of Christ is not only to be in the house, it is to be declared out of the house. That's why we talk about the blood. We plead the blood, right? Satan, you take your hands off me. I am blood-bought. You can't have my children. You can't have my grandchildren. You can't have my family. Pestilence, you got to stay away from here, right? Or if it, if it comes illegally, you got to go. Okay, And it says, strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the houses wherein they shall eat it, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. Okay, Verse 10. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. 
and thus you shall eat it. This is how you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Now this phrase, will smite, that is, it, it, it is translated in the causative sense. It's actually a permissive verb tense. So it should read like this. And I will, and I'm sorry, when I will allow to be smitten, he allowed it. You will see later in the story that God wasn't the one doing it, it was the destroyer, it was Satan. Okay? And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite or allow to be smitten the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you a memorial for a memorial. You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Okay? So, when you read these first 14 verses of Exodus 12, why, the question is, why were the Israelites required to eat the flesh of the Passover lamb for physical strength unless it was to show that we can receive physical life or physical strength from Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. Right? In 1 Corinthians, and you should write this in your notes, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, at the end of that verse, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says this, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So if healing's not part of it, why? Why in the Passover, when they ate it, do you know it even records that every Jew, every Israelite that left Egypt, there was not one feeble among them. So in other words, everybody was healed as a result of eating that Passover. So what, why? If it's not included, right? We have to ask that question. So now, 765 years later, after the Passover was instituted, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's people, were healed after keeping the Passover. And if you want to read that story, it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Okay? We won't take time to read the whole story, but in verse 20, it says, And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people physically as a result of them eating the Passover 765 years later. So now, let's look at Leviticus. And there's many others, but I just want to go through a few. And I know this is kind of, I'm reading a lot today, but we've got to get this. You have a legal right to walk free from all sickness and disease and pain. I've got to say that eight million times because when you live in sickness and disease, you can get used to it. You could manage it in our society with a, with a pill or a shot. Don't do that. 
right? God wants it out of your body, which belongs to him, right? So Leviticus 14, now this is going to be talking about the cleansing of a leper. Leviticus 14, as a matter of fact, chapters 14 and 15 of Leviticus show us that it's through the atonement that sickness, physical sickness, was healed. Those two chapters, if you want to study that. But in Leviticus 14, 18, it says, And the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand shall he pour upon the head of him that is to be cleansed. So the priest would pour oil over the head of a leper that, would, that would, was to be clean, cleansed. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. Why could a leper be cleansed? Because an atonement was made for him. Okay? So why make an atonement for a leper's healing if healing is not for us in the atonement of Jesus? That makes no sense. Do you see that? All these atonements that you will see in the Old Testament, they all point to the cross. All of them. Leviticus chapter 25. Look at this. Talking about Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. That's a year where everything is returned. All debts are canceled. Everything is returned to its original. Right? It's a type of us being born again. You know we're living in an eternal Jubilee. That's how come you have a legal right of debt cancellation. You have a legal right to all this. Leviticus 25, verse 9, look at this. Leviticus 25, verse 9, Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. In other words, the way God set this up, there was no blessing of the year of Jubilee. No blessing was to be announced by the sounding of the trumpet until the Day of Atonement. No mercy or blessing of the gospel is offered to you and I irrespective of the atonement of Christ. It all starts by Jesus atoning, shedding his blood for us. Everything. There's no blessing. We cannot access any blessing of God without the cross. There had to be an atonement, right? So you, that's the pattern. So the order of the year of Jubilee was there was atonement, and then the trumpet was sounded, and then every man returned to his possessions. Today... How does it work for us? The order is this. It's Calvary, where Jesus atoned for us. And then the gospel trumpet, that Jesus bore our sins and he bore our sicknesses. Right? The gospel is a trumpet. That Jesus bore our sins. Where would that be? Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Guys, this doctrine that the God of heaven heals some and not others or will put sickness on somebody to teach them something, 
That is straight from the pit of hell. It is not part of the Bible. You can't, you never hear scriptures when people teach that stuff because there's no scripture. God always has been and always will be a healer. And he always has been and always will be no respecter of persons. What he offers for one, he offers for everyone. Okay? 1 Peter 2.24, look at this. Talking about Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. He also bore your sicknesses. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, it says, by Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah is the Greek rendering of the name Isaiah. And now this is the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Where did he speak it? In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Where? On the cross. Isn't it crazy? If you have something going on in your body, it was paid for almost 2,000 years ago. Remember, he is Jehovah Jireh. He goes before you and provides. He, part of that provision is healing, right? So now, let's look at another one. This is talking about Korah and 250 very influential princes, worship leaders, people of influence in the Israeli camp in the wilderness, Let's look at what happened to them. So I'm going to read. Let's open. The King James is a little crazy on this, so I want you to see it. So look at the New King James, and I'm going to I'm going to pull this up. Numbers chapter 16. We're just we're not going to read the whole thing. I kind of want to, but you can go back and read the whole thing. Numbers chapter 16. I don't want to deviate from what we're saying here. Numbers chapter 16 in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Ibiram, the sons of Eliab, and On. That's a nice name. What's your name? I'm On. Right? <laughs> the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. That'd be like the equivalent to all the very influential people in the church. They rise up against the pastor, right? They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy. In other words, hey, everybody, here, here's the way that looks in a charismatic church. Hey, who are you, pastor? We all have the spirit of God. That's kind of what this is, what's happening right here. God doesn't like that stuff, right? All the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. 
right? So now look at verse 8 through 11. And Moses, then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. It is a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them. And that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you, and are you seeking the priesthood also? Right? So this is interesting. Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. So Moses is saying, guys, you're really not coming against me, you're coming against God. All right? So are gathered against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? Right? It'd be like me saying, hey, who do you think you are coming against Pastor Dave? You know, nobody comes to me and talks bad about Pastor Dave. They know better. Because I don't care who you are, I'm going to side with him. Right? So that's kind of what's happening right here. Let's go on. Verse 18. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. Uh Uh-oh, God's showing up. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, look at what God said, separate yourself from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Now listen, God has no problem coming to Moses and going, hey, what are you doing? But God has a problem with other people coming to Moses, right? It's interesting how God does everything by delegated authority, right? And so it says, separate yourself from the, among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So, I mean, look at the humility of Moses here. He's like, oh man, these idiots don't know what they're doing. Please don't take everybody out because of them, right? So, let me, let me get this right here. I want to see what I want to read. The Lord, so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah. I would not want to be Korah. Right and Dathan and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children, And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. And then he says this, If these die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. In other words, if these three and their families, if they just live out their days and nothing bad happens to them, then they're right, I'm wrong, 
you didn't send me, right? But then it says here, wow, let me find this again. So verse 30, but if the Lord creates a new thing, could you imagine? Could you imagine somebody saying this to you? If the Lord, now this is the guy that you saw raise a staff and the Red Sea parted. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. And the earth opened its mouth, swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. Look at this. So they all, so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. Yikes. Right? Because they're the first people that didn't die physically and then go down to the pit. They actually got to go alive into the pit. I don't think that that's fun. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their city, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Now, don't get lost in this. This is not about, gosh, I'm never talking bad about pastor. That, that's, not, that's not what this is about. I'm trying to paint this picture. Because these people rebelled against the Lord. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the curse causeless shall not come. These people have, have literally opened a door for the curse to come. Okay? So that's verse 35. Now let's look at, I'm going to finish this up. Verse 41. Everybody said amen. Finish this story, Pastor. Wow. Uh, and now look at this. And on the next day... All the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. That is stupidity on steroids. Dude, you just saw Moses say, the ground's going to open up, and it did, and now you're going to get up the next morning? This is, this is why pride is so ridiculous. Who would do this, right? So verse 42 uh, let me see. Now it, now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned towards the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And, they, and so then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. And so Moses said to Aaron, so, I mean, God is ready to take, he's ready to, he's ready to be done with it, right? So then Moses and Aaron fall on their faces, and then Moses, Mo, looks at Aaron and goes, go do this. And he's, he's telling them, listen, this is bad. This, this curse is coming. This plague is coming. You need to go make an atonement to stop this plague. Okay, so you're going to see this here. He said, take a censer, put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. Moses is saying because of their words, this plague, it, it opened a door 
where they came against God, and now, like we see in the Old Testament, the destroyers, he's, he's wide open, he could come, and he's coming to bring a plague. And, Mo, and Aaron, Moses is telling Aaron, you gotta go make atonement to stop the plague. Isn't that interesting? Atonement stops the plague. You gotta see this. The atonement of Jesus stops any sickness and any disease. Right? It says, look at, and now, so Aaron, and he, Aaron, stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. So it already took out 14,700 people before it could even happen. That's how fast now those that died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague has stopped. Another thing in the Old Testament, after these 14,700 Israelis died of the plague, Aaron, as priest, in his mediatorial office, he stood for the people between those that died and the living. He stood between them, made an atonement for the removal of the plague. In other words, for the healing of the body. Jesus, our mediator, by his atonement, redeemed us from the plague of sin and from the plague of sickness and disease. Let me do another one. Numbers chapter 21. You're like, Pastor, we got to go through another one. That was a tough one. Look at this. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 8. As they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way, and the people spoke against God. Now, he had just... He had just just did the whole Red Sea thing for them, right? They spoke against God and against Moses. Wherefore, and they said to them, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our souls loathe this light bread. And the Lord sent, again in the permissive tense, and the Lord allowed to be sent, or he allowed fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks up upon it, shall live. Now isn't it interesting, they were out in the wilderness... When they weren't murmuring, there were no serpents. But the minute they started murmuring, serpents, right? Verse 9, and Moses made a serpent, which is symbolic of Satan, it's symbolic of sin, of brass, that's symbolic of judgment, and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. When they put their eyes Upon the serpent, they lived. The atonement, they lived. Wow. The curse was removed 
by lifting up the serpent. Our curse was removed when Jesus was lifted up. Right? John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. New Testament rendering. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If healing were not in the atonement, then why were the dying Israelites required to look at the serpent, which is a type of atonement, to be healed? Their curse was removed by lifting up the bronze servant. Our curse is removed by the lifting up of Jesus. See, don't get caught up in, if you look at the Old Testament, they disobeyed, the door, God had to render judgment, it allowed the enemy access, and people start dying. The minute they turned to God, though, God made a way out, and God would atone, and then they would be safe. For us, it's different, guys. Jesus came and died for us already. So now, once you accept him, you got it all. Isn't that amazing? Right? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. The New Testament tells us, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. How do we know it was the destroyer and not God? Because in the Old Testament, it says it was God. Well, even right here in the New Testament. when See, if you start reading your Bible, or if you are discipling somebody, please, don't get that. First of all, get them reading the Bible, because that's the thing that will change their life. But don't just hand them a Bible and say, read it. Because guess where everybody will start? Page one, Genesis. They'll probably die in Leviticus or Numbers, right? So, and Because they don't understand. But do you see how in, even in 1 Corinthians 10, it says the destroyer destroyed them. See, in John chapter 10, verse 10, you got to know this. Jesus said, listen, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come to have give life. James tells us every good and perfect gift comes from above. If it's not good and perfect, it's not from God. Satan is your enemy. He'll destroy everything in your life. And I'm here to tell you as a Christian, you have a legal right to be healed, to be restored, to be delivered if you mess up. He will restore your life. You need to know that. God's not mad at you today. All of your sin was condemned on, in that redemptive act of Jesus on the cross. And he provides everything for man now. I love that. Now all these things happened unto them, verse 11, for examples or types. They are written for our admonition. They are written to instruct us and to warn us upon whom the ends of the world have come. Well, we're going to talk more about this physical healing and the atonement, but I'm here to tell you, who are you going to believe? That is the question. Are you going to believe the symptoms in your body, or are you going to believe what God said? Right? 
Are you going to believe that God is good all the time as his word says? We must believe that because it is the truth. I would love to tell you that there's scriptures in there, even one that could possibly hint that God may not want you healed, but it's not there. I have talked to pastors that believe that it's there and they never quote scripture because it's not there. God wants you well. He wants your life restored physically, emotionally, financially, in every way. He wants you growing spiritually. He wants you to live Zoe life, the very essence of life that God has. He wants you to live days of heaven on this earth. That's his word. For God is good all the time. God's mercy endures forever. Amen?